Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. For the past few weeks, we've been speaking on vision. It was never a series I planned to speak on. I thought I was going to speak on the body, the mind, and the spirit, and, you know, that was it. But God had another plan, and so for, for the last four weeks, we've been speaking about vision, and I know for many of you, you are considering vision and receiving vision, some for the first time. Some of you are getting a renewed vision. Some of you are asking God to give you vision. If you're in one of those places, I think you're in the right place. You're in the right space. And I think that today, as I close up this series on vision, I feel like God's really going to wrap this thing up and tie this thing up. And I think you've got a lot for the Holy Spirit to speak to you about literally for this next year. I think, I think God set this year up to begin like this. And today I want to talk to you about the valley of vision. When we started this series, I started in the book of Habakkuk chapter two. And the first thing he does when he goes to get vision is he goes up to a tower. And there is something about that. When you move to a place of solitude and you go to a high place and you say, God, I'm getting away from everything else and I want to hear from you. But where we're going to end this series on vision is in the valley. Because the truth is, sometimes, maybe I should say most times, when God gives you a vision, he releases it in the valley. It's not really the way we'd want, but it is the way that God works, that God releases vision in the valley. So this is our confession. Our confession is one of faith, even if we're in the valley of death. We confess faith over our circumstances, not from our circumstances. And here's the good news today, that God releases vision even if you feel like you are stuck in the middle of a valley. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we desire to hear from you. We love you. We're for you. And we believe that you're going to speak today. So speak in the valley in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. I don't know if you know, but last week was the Super Bowl. I know there's no reason for you to watch. <laughs> but, you know, story caught my eye after the culmination of the Super Bowl and the celebration of one of the wide receivers, the one that, that uh, won MVP, of the, of the Super Bowl and really had a phenomenal game, phenomenal year. But something struck me, it was in all the newspapers, and I think maybe because I'm in this series that it, it really stood out to me, but he spoke about a, a divine vision that he received from heaven. I don't know if you saw this, it, where he said, I saw myself, I felt like God gave me this vision. I saw myself walking off the field as a Super Bowl champion when I had won the MVP. Now, this is a man that did not have one scholarship offer coming out of college. It's an unlikely vision. But you know what stuck out to me is when he received that vision. He said, I felt like God gave me this vision after I lost three years ago to the New England Patriots. <laughs> That's when I got this vision. What's interesting is that is many times when God gives the vision is in the valley. It's in defeat. It's in darkness. It's in difficulty. It's in misunderstanding. That's when God shows up and he releases hope. He releases faith. He speaks to your future. 
The strange paradox of God is that most of the times he releases vision, you'll be located in a valley. And he gives you a sight of what could be, not what is, what should be, not what's currently. I want to speak to you today from this truth that God has great vision for you and you can have it even in the valley. And that will stare our confession, not from circumstances, but from Christ. We see Ezekiel brought by the spirit of God, the Bible says, and the spirit set Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. The spirit of the Lord set me down. You know, if you're going to be translated by the spirit of God somewhere, you want to be translated somewhere awesome. Garden of Eden, Oahu. Not the valley of desert and dry broken bones. But the interesting thing about how God works is sometimes the place God leads us, we would never go voluntarily on our own. Some of the things God walks us through, we would never choose to walk through. But like David, we thank God that even in the valleys, we don't have to be filled with fear because he is with us. He comforts us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So even if we have to walk through the valley places and the truth of life, and if you've lived any time at all, you've walked through some valleys. And if you've been saved any time at all, you are going to walk through some valleys, even in your Christian life. But the good news is that you do not walk through those things alone. In fact, the Holy Spirit walks with you. I would go so far to even say some, the Holy Spirit brings you to those valleys because he wants to bring some things out of you. He wants to reveal some things to you. And you can't teach deep lessons unless you go into the deep waters. You can't, you can't bring someone to a place of reliance if they're in the comfort of society. Sometimes God will bring you into the place of loneliness so that you can learn trust. Sometimes he'll bring you into the place of need so that you can learn that he is your portion. I mean, the truth of the matter is many of our prayers we want answered, but not by God's process. We just want the miracle. So you say, Lord, give me patience. And God says, okay, I will give you a child. <laughs> Lord, teach me how to forgive. Okay, I've got just the spouse for you. <laughs> I spent 20 minutes getting one shoe on my son this morning. And I was telling God, Lord, I am a man of God, a preacher and prophet to the nations, and I've got a word in my bones and this kid's driving me crazy. Does he know who I am? I got to preach, God. Samantha. Always call the mom. The truth of the matter is God, God will bring you through some valleys, but he never lets that valley go without bringing vision out of it. He never lets the pain be purposeless. He never, he never lets the difficulty be meaningless. God will bring you through valleys, yes. He'll bring you through settings of brokenness. I mean, think about what Ezekiel saw all around him. The, there were many bones, as if there was a catastrophe that had happened, that, that there was a great army once, but they were so thoroughly destroyed, and they were left where they dropped. And these bones were scattered, and, and more than that, they were disconnected. And more than that, they weren't even buried. In other words, there, there was no... There was no um, 
There was no fulfillment to what happened. There was no culmination. It was almost as if tragedy struck and everything got halted and lay right where it lie. And, 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 and even further than that, they tell us the specific thing that the bones were dry. In other words, this death had been there for a long time. You might have hope the first few days that a miracle could happen. You might have hope even, you know, as, as, as it looks like there can be something, you know, that, that not, not much that time has passed, but when it's dead and dry and disconnected, it looks like all hope is lost. And that is where God brought Ezekiel. And that's sometimes the place that God brings us. And know this about the valley. The valley hems you in. The valley, you're not in wide open spaces. Your choices are hemmed in. Your, your decisions, your direction is hemmed in. You don't know what's coming around the corner. You can't be prepared. The valley is usually visionless. But that's the paradox of God, is that he'll bring us into places where only he can bring us out of. He'll do things in places that we thought there would be destruction and death. He chooses to show us life and life more abundantly because it's all about him. And so there might even be times in your life and your Christianity where you're brought into this place and it feels lonely. Maybe you feel dry and disconnected. And, and, and maybe you even feel like your, your spirit or your faith is dying. I want you to know it may not be that you're in that place because of sin or your past or that the sermons aren't hitting or the work. The truth of the matter is bringing you through that valley. Because I just want, I guess I'm trying to pull the pin out of one specific thing. Sometimes when we get into dry places, we think I'm here because of some strange sort of karma. I didn't do enough or I did bad enough or I, I, I didn't pay attention enough and now God's punishing me. I can't feel his presence. Therefore, it must be my fault or their fault. But the reality is God will bring you into these places to say it's not about fault. It's about refreshing. It's about vision. It's about revival, and I'm going to do something very powerful. I mean, think about it. When God brought the people out of slavery in Egypt, he's bringing them to the promised land, but not yet. First, they go into the wilderness. And they could have looked around the wilderness and said, this is not what we were promised. What did we do wrong, Moses? What did you do wrong? But really, it was God saying, no, I'm going to do away with your old mindset and your old worldview and your old religion and your old sin before you step into all that I have for you. They, many chose to grumble and complain, but few chose to have vision. I pray we're like the few, Joshua and Caleb, that say there is a fight but it's worth it. Remember the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He got baptized in the Jordan. And then you would think, okay, now, now here comes the healings and here comes the parables and, and here comes the exaltation. But first, the Bible says the spirit of God brought him into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and was tempted and he was tested and he was tried. All of that before the promise, before the ministry. What am I saying? I'm saying, like Ezekiel, God will bring you through difficult times, valleys and wildernesses and deserts. But know this, God does not bring you there to leave you there. But God will do a deep work in that place. He'll bring vision even in the middle of the valley and he will show himself to you because this is God. God's goal in those valleys. So it was with Ezekiel. So it is with us. God wants to demonstrate his power. 
What do you think this moment we just had was? That was a demonstration of the power of God. Well, we need demonstration because we live in an era of proclamation. Everyone has an opinion and everyone spouts it out 24-7. It's noise and it's news and it's information and it's proclamation. There's so much saying what should be done, so little doing. There's so much proclaiming, there's very little demonstrating. But I thank God that he backed his words up with action. For God so loved that he demonstrated. And he sent his one and only son that he could show what love looks like on the cross. That he didn't just say, I love you, now go your way. But he said, I love you, now I will take your sin, your shame, your forever guilt upon myself, and I will demonstrate my love for you in this. I will pay the price that you could not pay so that you could receive the life that you could not get. He is a demonstrative God. And he wants to demonstrate himself to you. You say, no, not to me, to my neighbor, to my wife, to my family, to my girlfriend, but not to me. No, he wants to demonstrate himself to you. When you pray, you will see your prayers begin to be answered. You'll say, well, it's just coincidence. Well, isn't it amazing how those coincidences start to stack up? What you call coincidence, I call the Holy Spirit. No, he wants to demonstrate his reality to you. He wants to demonstrate his love to you. And he wants to demonstrate his vision to you, even, even in the places that you don't understand it. He's going to take you there and show you that he is able to be trust. He is trustworthy. He is the one that turns bones into bodies. He is the one that turns wastelands into rivers. He is the one that turns death into brand new life. And this is what Paul knew about God. And that's why when he came to preach to the church at Corinth, he he said this. He said, my speech, my messengers, they were not about plausible words of wisdom. It wasn't about my, my incredible sermons and speech, he says. But I came so that I might demonstrate the spirit and power. Because the truth of the matter is you are not changed by sermons. You're changed by spirit. You're not changed by proclamation. You are changed by power. It is not by might, and it is not by strength. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. Demonstrate God. So God brings Ezekiel into a place where there is extreme brokenness and poverty and and death and, and dryness. And then God asks Ezekiel this question. He says to him, can these dry bones live? Can these dry bones live? Look around. Look specifically. I want you to know faith is not about ignoring the reality, whistling through the graveyard, pretending things aren't happening. God brings Ezekiel specifically, and he says, look around. Look at how dry they are. Look at how many there are. No, this is a bad situation. But now I'm going to ask you a question. Can these dry bones live? See, God never asks a question to learn. He always asks a question to reveal. God's not trying to learn from us. He's trying to reveal to us. So what is God really trying to say? What is God really trying to reveal to Ezekiel, to you, to me? What God really is asking is, do you have faith? Can these dry bones live? Do you have faith? What God's really saying is, do you know what I can do? Do you know what I can do? 
Because the obvious answer is absolutely not they can't live, but God's saying, but there's something else going on. That's why I'm asking the question. This is when Jesus said to the Pharisees, have you not read? And they're like, we thought we read, but Jesus is like, no, no, you don't even know what you read, but I'm about, I'm about to reveal something to you. This is how faith begins to work because the obvious answer is absolutely not. This brokenness in my family cannot be repaired. My marriage cannot be repaired. My mind cannot be repaired, but I want you to know there's another voice. There's another voice, and it's greater than the voice of, of natural ideas. It's greater than the voice of what could be by reality. It is the voice of God. And if you would hear him whispering to you right now, he would say, but if I intervened, what could I do? Because maybe you're in this place and you say, no, it's too far gone. My marriage is too far gone, but I hear the voice of God whispering to you today, but could the dry bones live? Well, you might say, well, my children are too far gone. They not only aren't going to church, they hate church. But I hear the voice of God saying, but if I got involved, if you prayed, if there was belief, if there was time, can these dry bones live? I hear the voice of God saying, can time stop me? Can space stop me? Can emotion stop me? Can difficulty stop me? Or am I the God of yesterday, today, and forever? Am I the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Am I the God that searched you down and picked you up and carried you and bombed you and forgave you? Am I the God that searched after you when no one else would search after you. If I could do it for your dry bones, can I do it for their dry bones? If I did it for their marriage, can I do it for your marriage? If I did it in their mind, can I do it in your mind? There's people in this place that have been released from severe anxiety. If God could make those dry bones come to life, can he do it for you? There's people in this place that had cancer that has been healed and in remission. If he did it for them, could he do it for you? Can these dry bones live? You might say, well, I never thought I'd smile again. I'm overwhelmed and overcome with the shroud of grief. But the Holy Spirit says, but can these dry bones live again? Can breath enter your bones? Can my hand come over your body? Our nation is in a place where it seems that all the talking heads are saying the bones can't live again. They're disconnected, disunity. People seemingly want to hate. Sides want war. There seems to be an incessant flow of negative prophetic voices saying no, no, no. There can never be unity. There could never be forgiveness. There could never be love. There could never be even be coexistence. There could never be ever, ever, ever. And it just seems on both sides, high to low, TV to phone, it just seems like there's, there's so many voices that are saying it cannot be done. But I hear the voice of the Lord speaking over the nation that he loves, saying to the people that will listen to his voice, can these dry bones live again? Could I bring unity where there was once disunity? And I don't think the political parties can do it. I don't think the pundits can do it. But I do think the blood of Jesus and the covering of the blood of Jesus can bring unity, can bring the bones together, can have flesh cover those old wounds 
That the blood of Jesus can bring together both Jew and Gentile. That, that God's identity can become foremost over who we are. That I'm first a Christ follower. I'm first a son of God. I'm first in the kingdom of God. And that's how we can be brothers and sisters. I don't know about out there, but I hear the voice in here saying, can these dry bones live? Think about the church. So many negative opinions about the church. So many negative articles and negative voices about the church, even from Christian media. For years and years, I've read articles saying young adults have abandoned the church. They're never coming back. And I always feel like, I don't know who you're surveying, but you've never been to my church. You know? Come on Sunday. It's the number one complaint that I hear sometimes. People are like, I love it. Is that a youth church? And it's like, no, of course not. But there's a youthful vibe. Even, even the older people, they're cool, you know? They're into it. <laughs> it is a little loud, though, yeah. I read an article this week where, where they said, you know, admit it. Admit it, the, the 40% or 60% of people that left during COVID are never coming back. How to accept it and move on. And the article essentially said, the bones are dead. They're dry. They're disconnected. It's over. It's faithless. Deal with it. But I hear another voice saying, can these dry bones live again? Could I bring revival? Could I do it of my spirit? Could there be moments where the Spirit shows up that we don't even plan for or know what to do with, but God says, I'm showing up? And if the Spirit of the Lord shows up, maybe those dry bones can live again. Not to the glory of man, not sermons, not podcasts, not books, not devotionals, not conferences or concerts that could bring the church together again. But the Spirit of the Lord and the reach of his arm can certainly bring those that have been lost back into the sheepfold again. I've seen what God has done to sustain this church over the last two years. And you might say, well, wasn't that a valley? Absolutely, it was a valley. But can I tell you, God gave us vision through the valley. So people even say, how's it been at the church? They're meaning, well, how's it been these last few years? And I'm like, great. It's been, it's been awesome. Why? Because God's in charge of the valleys as much as he's in charge of the mountaintops. And it's in the valleys that he releases the most unique and powerful visions. He asks Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And you could, you could almost see Ezekiel look around and go through the, the stats in his mind and the technicals. And, and, and the question that, that he has to answer is the question that we have to answer in this moment. What do we trust? Our sight or our vision? Can these dry bones live by sight? I don't know. But if you're involved, I could see something happening. I want to settle it in my heart. And I want to settle it in this church that we are people 
that walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith in the Son of God. We walk by faith in the power of our testimony. We walk by faith in the promises that he has assured us, not by what we see in our circumstance, because our circumstance can change in a moment. We walk by faith in God's eternal promises. And so Ezekiel's response is our response. Can these dry bones live? Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. You know. I used to think this was a bit of a cop-out of an answer, but I think I get it now. The older I get, the more I'm in the valley, I get what he's saying. What he's really saying is, I don't know. Can this happen? Can there be miracles? Can God rejuvenate my vision, my mind? Can God bring energy back in? Can I get back in the fight? I don't know. But Lord, you do. You have strategy when I don't have strategy. You've got hope when I don't have hope. You've got strength when I don't have strength. What is he saying? He's saying, Lord, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. May we be people that choose where our trust goes, that we don't trust in ourselves, that we don't trust in those around us, that we don't trust in fickle and and, in former things, but we trust in the enduring strength and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't know if my marriage can live again. I don't know if my family can be restored. Lord, I don't know what's happening in the world. Lord, I don't understand all these things that are going on. Lord, I don't even know why I'm in this place of frustration, but you do know. You know how I got here. You know what brought me here. And you know what's coming on the other side of that thing. I can't see out, but you can see out. I don't have the right perspective, but you got the right, so I choose to trust you. Lord, you know. You know, God, I trust in your knowledge over my own. Your wisdom over my own. I trust in you. The Bible says this, that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of Jesus Christ. I can update this verse for you. Some trust in their instincts. Some trust in their money. Some trust in the world around them, their society, their economy, or their perception of power. But we, as God's children, we don't trust in those things. We trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loves us, who forgave us, who chased after us, who knows the beginning from the end. He is both author and finisher. And he who began, who began the good work in you, he will be faithful to see it all the way through from the mountaintops to the valleys. God will be with you. You will not walk this path alone. He will be your comforter your protector, your guide, your provider. And that's why you'll dwell in the house for all of your days. That's why you'll be blessed. It's because even in the valley, you've got the Almighty on your side. Lord, you know. You know. In the midst of the difficulty that I don't even understand, you know. You know how I got there, and you know how I'm going to get out of it. Lord, even in the midst of this relational quagmire. I can't even solve this thing. It's like a a bunch of wires all tangled together. But Lord, you know how to untangle this thing. We don't even know ourselves. We can't even figure out ourselves. Like Paul said, some of the things I want to do, I I, I don't do. Some of the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Isn't that you? But God, you know 
you know my heart. You know my end from my beginning, so I choose to trust you. And God loves that response. So God says to Ezekiel, okay, now we're ready. Now we're ready for some vision. So what does he want him to do? What's his action? What's our action? God says to Ezekiel, now begin to speak. Speak. There is power in your speech. Far more power than I think you even know. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit one time convinced me after I, I said something dumb. I, I was just joking around. And I, I felt, and then I said the phrase, well, I'm just talking. I'm just talking. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, you're not. You're not just talking. There's power in your speech. Understand the universe started with speech. Vision starts with speech. Faith starts with speech. So what does God say to Ezekiel? He says, begin to prophesy. Begin to speak with faith. What is prophecy? But speaking faith into the future. I want you to know, prophecy isn't all about knowing the King James Bible. Prophecy isn't all about the book of Revelation or the, or the beasts with the many tales. That's not what prophecy is all about or the blood moon or all this strange stuff. Let me tell you what prophecy is about. Prophecy is about speaking the word of God into your future. You can prophesy. Lord, this is your word. It is powerful. It is said. Let it be true in my future. Prophesy, he says, to these dry bones. And what, do you, what, do you, what should I say? Say to the dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, then speak his words. Well, I don't have faith. Well, then speak the words that already have faith imbued within them. Well, I might, I might sound weird. Overcome that, man of God, woman of God. Speak the truth. Even if your voice shakes, speak the truth. Prophesy into your future. Speak over your children. Speak over your nation. Speak over this church. Speak words of prophetic unction. Let them be powerful. Let them slice. Let it be filled with truth. What, what am I saying? Well, the other option is you could just speak whatever comes naturally. Let me tell you, you don't want the fruit. You don't want to eat the fruit of those words because what comes naturally is frustration. What comes naturally is negativity. What comes naturally is flesh. It's down. It's complaining. It's frustrating. Everybody's an idiot when you're speaking naturally. People on the road, the people serving you, your boss, everyone but apparently you. There's nine billion idiots, and then there's one super genius. <laughs> when we're speaking naturally, naturally is dry bones. Naturally is valley. When we're just speaking whatever we feel, when we're just speaking what everyone around us speaks, there's no power in that. That's why I love that God is very specific with Ezekiel. I don't want you to just talk. I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak with faith I want you to speak with unction. I want you to speak forward, faith into your future. And, and know this, you can't prophesy from your circumstances. You can only prophesy from eternal words. You understand what I'm saying? You can't speak with faith if you're looking around you to figure out what to talk about. You've got to speak with faith from heaven back down to earth. And this is a, this is a very... I think this is a little deep, but I want you to grab this with your heart. What I'm speaking about is not you letting your circumstances control your confession. What I'm calling you to do is allow Christ's words to control your confession. This is my confession over my circumstances. 
Even if my circumstances don't change in the timing or the way that I would want them to, I still choose for my confession to be of Christ and not of myself, not of my circumstances. The reality is you're going to come through seasons of difficulties where you're going to have to confess some things that you might not feel, confess some things that you might not even see. That's that's the valley, but there's still vision in that moment. I, I think of this great church movement on the West Coast, Bill Johnson's leading the Bethel movement, and there's much to be said about that movement that's, that's so good, and he's a great teacher. And one of his core messages, and has been, I mean, he's spoken here for many, 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 many years. He's spoken about healing. He's taught about healing. And what he says is, if Jesus healed, I want to see healings. I believe it. But one of the, one of the strange twists is that his wife is facing and fighting through cancer multiple times, and it's just come back, and, and it's very uh, aggressive, and they're calling on the church to pray for healing. And it's almost like you get attacked where your calling is. It's almost like you have to walk, you have to, you have to live out some of the statements that you've, that you've believed the most. And, 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 and some of it's humbling, you know, because people could even could even mock the fact that the man that has preached healing his whole life now desperately needs to see a healing closest to his life. And that's what they did to Jesus. Remember when he was on the cross, they said, physician, go ahead, heal thyself. You're the healer, Jesus, go ahead, heal. But Jesus understood things are happening so much greater than you understand. And it might not make sense here, but it will make sense in eternity. And so, they're asking churches to, to pray healing, and that's what we, we do. Even in the midst of sickness, we speak the greater word, healing in the name of Jesus. And we agree with that church in healing for that woman in her life in the name of Jesus. And the church said amen. But even if we don't see what we confess in the way we wanted to see it, we still choose to confess We still choose to prophesy. We still choose to say, hear the word of the Lord. We still choose, if we're going to speak, to speak life. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Okay, then I speak life. Because I would rather speak God's word and trust in his decision than stay silent and deal with everything myself. What if God doesn't move the way we hoped? Well, then... We did what he asked us to do, and we'll understand it all when we're in heaven. What am I saying? I'm saying that our confession doesn't come from the valley. Our confession comes from God. And even if the valley turns out to be deeper and wider and darker and longer than we had thought, we still choose to not put our faith in the circumstances and the difficulties of our valley. We choose to say, God, we trust in your greater vision. We receive what you have for us. We are ready to endure all things, but we will not move our confession off of your word. Whatever happens on earth happens on earth, but our hope is not in earth. Our hope is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel begins to prophesy. The dry bones begin to rattle. They begin to come together. Flesh comes over them. The Spirit of God begins to breathe into them. And and this is God's promise. He says, as you prophesy, this is what I'll do. 
I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. See, this word breath is the same breath that entered into Adam. This breath means spirit. What is he saying? He says, I will breathe my spirit back into you. After Adam, there was only death, but God's got a greater promise. He says, even in the midst of death, no, I've got something greater. I've got my spirit to breathe into the midst of your difficulty, and I will breathe again on you. That's my promise over you. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, he says, I don't know how to be born again. Jesus says, it's not about anything physical. You need the breath of God. This morning, we sensed, felt, received the breath of God. I want you to know that was not a small thing. I don't even know fully what happened. I know it was individual and specific, but you might not even be able to put into words what God did. But I can tell you where we find it in scripture. It's right here. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. Alive in our spirits, alive in our mind, alive in our faith, alive in our body, alive for eternity. Come on, can you thank God that he's the one that comes and breathes into you? The the confession of faith overrides the valley of death, and you can have vision even when you're in the valley. Ezekiel spoke. And all of a sudden, he saw these bones come together in what was once before death now becomes life. And what was once before disunited now becomes united. Once, what was once before broken now becomes, the Bible says, a vast army. I pray this church becomes a vast army. I pray you have a home that God begins to bring together and it becomes strong. It becomes a vast army. I pray your sons love the Lord. I pray your daughters love the Spirit of God. I pray your marriage is strong, bound together. I pray he builds up the low part of the wall. I pray your character has armor on it, the armor of the Lord. Your convictions go deep. No, no, we are not a weak people. We are a strong people, a vast army. I look at how we're growing week to week. It's unbelievable. We're not growing because of ads or or TV shows or or anything. I don't know how we're growing. All I know is God's saying, I'm bringing people together. I've got something for you to accomplish. We've got some things to get done here. You're in a valley, but you got some vision. It's a vast army God's building out of you, building out of us. And may that be true of our church, strong people that confess Jesus Christ, and are useful to his purposes and his glory. Amen? Here's the good news. If you're going through a valley, and if you're not, enjoy that, enjoy that time. But when you are, or if you are, know that God will visit you there, bring vision to you there, and he will lead you out of there. I thank God that he does deep work in dark places, but he's always bringing us back towards the light. Will you stand to your feet with me and let's just lift your hands. Just say, Lord, right now I receive. Right now I receive, Lord. In the midst of our lack of understanding, in the midst of our humanity, Lord, we receive your spirit, your vision, your strength. God, I pray over this church, Lord God, as nine o'clock grows, as 11 o'clock grows, God, as we begin to think about launching that Saturday night service, God, in a couple weeks here, Lord, I... I just pray that your spirit is the one leading us and guiding us. I pray over every family, every marriage. I pray over every young man, young woman that are looking for their right spouse for life. 
I pray, Lord, that we are not driven by circumstance, by feeling, by emotion, certainly not by culture, but Lord, may we be driven by vision, Lord. And even if we don't fully understand the process of it, we trust you in the process. You alone, God, you know. You know the beginning from the end. You know what you're forming us into. And so we trust you, God, that even in the valley, you've got vision for us. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people, Sam. Amen, amen. Come on, can you thank God? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.